Ladies and gentlemen and Chiefs fans, you ravenous scorers, you, and welcome to episode two, really the episode one, so let's have fun. Many of us had a non-zero fear that there would be no football this year. And it was not extinguished completely until someone booted the oblong discus this past Thursday night. And woo! I remember a blurb of someone who said the NFL had the, a luxury not afforded other sports. Time to prepare. And they almost wasted it. But it seems that the path has been plowed so that we can enjoy gridiron into the winter season. And I think each and every one of us certainly appreciates the reprieve. In this newsletter... We will go over the next-gen footballers' league draft and week one matchups. If I'm not totally spent, I might touch on the drafts I had in the other two leagues. Uh, you know, the early, part of, the early part of the season for the podcast will focus on the team formulation and draft strategy and comments. Maybe some predictions, while later on I will focus on the impact of cut-trade-start decisions in each league. It is dependent on the individual league settings, and we will continually explain why we feel that the NGF has the most thought-involved settings in the known universe, which we hope has majority rule over the unknown universe. Isn't that right, Morty? Oh, jeez, Rick. I don't know, Rick. Well, I know this much. The first four running backs in this draft are the same four top-selected running backs in the last draft. The 101 saw Run CMC go downtown to Titanville, baby. He was joined in the backfield by James Conner with much more capital invested than Damian Williams picked up in pick 120 and Darius Geis behind him. It wasn't until a few days later that the opted-out man was rotated out for Devontae Freeman, sleekly done for no cost. They joined Chris Godwin and Tyler Lockett and Calvin Ridley as a speedy and skilly group of pass catchers. I applaud picking up Darren Waller in the back of the six instead of the beginning of the six per ADP. I mean, Lockett was only two or three picks early, but Ridley is expected to break out this year, and he picked them up a whole round late. Drew Brees will open up the season against another Hall of Famer, Brady, soon. And just in case, your boy's got the keys to the car as insurance. Man, as smart a tight end quarterback stack as any with the Las Vegas Raiders there, this team was built anything but reckless. So to recap, the D-Town Titans, one of the newer players this year in this league, have Christian McCaffrey, James Conner, Chris Godwin, Tyler Lockett, Calvin Ridley, Darren Waller, Drew Brees, Robbie Gold, New England defense. They started off with Damian Williams. They made that change. Uh, Darius Geis, Debo Samuel, Austin Hooper, Derek Kah, and the Dallas defense. Man, I, for one, can't wait to see which week we will see Gary fight Jerry, just for the namesake. But I see that he decided not to follow Newton into New England and stay right put and awake and make caffeinated. 
his first overall pick was second overall. And he was just sending a message to everyone. Barking, in fact. The Giants running back is joined by the former Cardinal back Johnson, uh, David, not Chris. And he made the smart move starting him against the Chiefs, getting all 17 points that Yahoo projected him to have. It'll be tough for Le'Veon to do a better uh, performance, but he's only projected to get just over half of those points against the Bills, who features his own quarterback, Josh Allen. He has a lot of make the right choice between mid to high tier receivers of Allen Robinson II, Adam Thielen, Marvin Jones Jr., and Julian Edelman. Uh, just notice he's got a second and a junior. And no two players from the same team. Now, he's got a consistent floor with Greg Olson. Or he can catch the breeze in the sails with Jared Cook for his tight end. Uh, now, Ryan Tannehill has since been jettisoned from the team after being drafted. And he's since signed two rookies in Judy and Ruggs III. You know... I'm granting him the title of the Sultan of the Suffix. We'll see how the injuries and signings of the Bronco defense uh, pans out. But the Chargers have been dealing with their own setbacks. And we know how important defense can be in this league. Uh, But we have no choice but to trust our only multi-champion as he faces Puck. Looking to leverage two of his three regular season losses from last season. They did not meet in the playoffs as Puck was diverted with a loss to Gary in the semis. So this will be the first time that they've met and there might be a little bit of animosity brewing. More to come on that as we go along. So to recap, the McCaffeinated Teddies have Saquon Barkley, Allen Robinson II, Adam Thielen, David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, Josh Allen, Jared Cook, Greg Zerline, the Denver defense, Marvin Jones Jr., Julian Edelman, Latavius Murray, Ryan Tannehill, Greg Olson, and the Los Angeles Charger defense. Moving on to the third pick. You know, there is always a non-zero chance that you can eke out a beat with Zeke. And Javier will hold on to that advantage with his first pick, third overall. He also picked up DeAndre Hopkins in the second round. And we saw how much Watson missed him just a few days ago. Hopkins will battle for points alongside Galladay and Devontae Parker. And smart choices later on with Deontay Johnson and Jamison Crowder. He also has tight ends with explosive capabilities in Ebron and Ertz, with Wentz giving him that eagle stack. Now, if Newton pays off, he'll have two very interesting options at signal caller, and it's just a matter of time until Cam Akers proves himself to be a star, as many expect, myself included. I have Cam Akers in one of my own other leagues, and I can't wait to discuss why I picked him where I did and the future path that I see for the Los Angeles Rams running back. So to go over CFL Johnny's team, we've got Ezekiel Elliott, DeAndre Hopkins, 
Kenny Galladay, Zach Ertz, Cam Akers, Devontae Parker, Carson Wentz, Will Lutz, the Los Angeles Rams defense, Deontay Johnson, Jamison Crowder, Cam Newton, Tariq Cohen, Eric Ebron, and the Tennessee defense. This actually, this team actually reflects a lot of the choices that I've made in other leagues. So I'm probably going to have to be a little bit partial to that one. Uh, three teams down. Now, last year's lowest scoring team somehow managed to swerve into a 7-7 record. So one would think someone named Championship Bound has a lot to prove this go-around. The 2017 league champ has gone with a team with the most first names beginning with A that I have ever seen. Alvin K, Aaron J, Amari C, AJ Green, Anthony Miller, and a whole bunch of Seahawk defenders. Give me that one. More importantly, this team is sponsored by Long John Silvers, Captain D's, and Red Lobsters, since he has both Alvin Calamari and Calamari Cooper. Man, I wish I could see more seafood puns here. I mean, even if you had the Patriots D, I would refer to them as the New England clamped chowderheads. Yeah, but D-Town has them. Uh, he obviously, it, when it comes to picking New England clam chowder, he obviously goes with the James White over the red. But what do we have here? Emerging from the water, DJ Shark Fin Soup. Oh, that was fun. Now, he's got two good mats, Matt Ryan and Matt Prater. If Seattle does well, it bodes well for both the defense and Chris Carson. But we'll have to see how that goes for week one since they play Atlanta. The old QB versus defense conundrum on the same team has always been one that I try to avoid. So for Sean's team, we've got Alvin Kamara, Aaron Jones, Chris Carson, Amari Cooper, DJ Chuck, Matt Ryan, Hunter Henry, the Kansas City defense, Matt Prater, AJ Green, James White, Anthony Miller, Blake Jarwin, Jimmy Garoppolo, and the Seattle defense. Last year's leading rusher will fight on for Kevin with miles and miles of sandier beaches. But the best rusher on this team is arguably Lamar Jackson, picked up in round three. That's almost unfair. You don't even have to, you don't even know how to feel reading off Cooper measuring cup, Jarvis Laundry, Evan Ingram, and the Baltimore stack with Marquise Hollywood Squares. Oh man, with what DeAndre Swift can become, Chase Edmonds increased role, and Herndon's potential when healthy, this could be a best ball team to just plain quit against and just forget about it. It's done. It's over. I don't know what happened, but he was thinking about the Super Bowl the night before he went to sleep uh, before this draft, and this was the dream that he wove. This team is a straight-up nightmare. I would hate to play him, and I lost to him twice last year. 
With Miles Sanders out for the first week, he is still projected as just a three-point underdog. Missing a running back. That's zany. I, well, I mean, his, his kicker. I mean, Zane G. Anyway, for a fight on Dreamweaver, we've got Derrick Henry, Miles Sanders, Lamar Jackson, Cooper Cup, DeAndre Swift, Marquise Brown, Evan Ingram, the New Orleans defense, Zane Gonzalez, Jarvis Landry, Daniel Jones, Emmanuel Sanders, Chris Herndon, Chase Edmonds, and the Indianapolis defense. The return of the rosary. Mary is back and means business. Kevin might have gotten the leading rusher at the RB and QB positions, but Mary has the leading pass catcher. And some guy on the cover of Madden 20, the Super Bowl MVP, Patrick Mahomes. The difference is that from there, the Marauder squad seems to have many features. So as to say, people who can thrive in the right matchups, in the right system, in the right environment, if everything goes right, then you might get some performance out of names like Devin Singletary, Leonard Fournette, David Montgomery, Cordell Patterson, uh, Sony Michelle, C.D. Lamb, Mike Williams. I mean, these are, these are names that we all know can be great any given week. So it's really just going to be a matter of making a tapestry of all of these names the right weeks, the right goes. But man, having Michael Thomas is really a difference maker. Now, having Devin Singletary and David Montgomery, two uh, rushers that we got to see a lot more of last year than we think we really wanted to, we were really hoping that they would be in offseason to see some kind of improvement with these running backs. It doesn't seem that the fumbling issues have gotten much better, but maybe it just needs some real time in the fire uh, before they emerge. So to go over Mary's Marauders, we've got Michael Thomas, Patrick Mahomes, Rob Gronkowski, San Francisco defense, Harrison Butker, Devin Singletary, Leonard Fournette, David Montgomery, Cordell Patterson, Tom Brady, TJ Hawkinson, Sony Michelle, CD Lamb, Mike Williams, and the New York Jets defense. Uh, many of you, and by many of you, I mean the people I've already told, obviously know that I was working on a script and I was already about this way through the script for this episode last week on Wednesday. Uh, I was working on it in an office that I was in. I hit save. I closed my computer. I came home. I opened my computer. My computer greeted me with, hey, it's time for an update. Well, when that finished, I had to start over, and I cannot tell you how much that hurts, and this isn't the first time. The problem is I don't have uh, Microsoft Word or programs that autosave or a computer that likes me. So it, it took a while to get over it, to mentally recover, to grieve over the script that I, I really think would, would have gone really well. But I'm doing this for y'all. That's right, all y'all. So here I am, I'm making this episode, we are going forward, and I'm just going to go straight through. 
Uh, from this point forward, however, there is no script. I started rewriting a script. I ended it with Mary's Marauder's team. And I'm just going to pick up the rest of the way forward and see what strikes me to say. For example, the next team, pick seven, was Annex Lad. And his top-off choice was Clyde's Edwards Allaire. I, of course, watched the game on Thursday. I, I went straight from work, ended at 7, went to the gym, closed at 8, came home by 8.18, and tuned in to the first game of the NFL season. I, if you give me enough time, I can tell you in words how much I miss this game. There's so much about it that I just love. Actually practicing throwing motions is quite enjoyable. Going over strategies and trying to implement them in Madden, although that's more maddening than satisfying, but mainly just being able to see the game, knowing that I can enjoy discussing these with my friends, my families, my coworkers, and people that I soon will be ex-coworkers with because I've beaten them so badly over and over again. Sorry, boss. I know you're going to hear this because I'm going to send you the link. And yes, it happened again. I just keep beating you. Anyway, back to Annex Lad's team. So Clyde proved himself when you kind of get out of the way, the people ahead of you, and you get drafted highly, and you get the opportunity to prove it. Now, if y'all remember last year, uh, we had, I believe it was Kareem Hunt, or not Kareem Hunt, but one of the running backs, I believe on the on that team that he fumbled the first play that he was handed off the ball to. And instead of beating himself up over it, he came back to have a fantastic game, over 100 yards, two touchdowns, uh, some passing work. It was incredible. Uh, Clyde said, I don't need that mistake <laughs> to, to begin my career and just had an excellent game, over 100 yards, a touchdown that just seemed easy if you were looking at it in real time, but then you realize when they do the slow motions that this dude is compact and they tried to stop him. They tried to tackle him and they failed. He has a lot of body control and when he got to the edge, he was able to make a decision pretty quickly and his body did the rest. Now, that doesn't mean that if you try to go around J.J. Watt that you won't have an issue and we saw that with the failed goal line attempts. Now, I, it's one thing to have a stack, but to have your round one, round two be from the same team normally is a scary thing. But for Annex Lad, I think we're going to let him slide because he's got the Clyde the Glide. And then Travis Kelsey. So honestly, how do you follow up the two weapons from the Kansas City Chiefs? Well, you can pick up Melvin Gordon for his possible pass-catching work. I mean, I think that's a perfect system for him to probably get the bulk of the work, but to also have Philip Lindsay, who, with a smaller role, can really exploit it and do really well. I think that's when he does his best. You know, praise be to the uh, undrafted free agent to do so well and prove that it's not about draft capital, it's about talent, good for him. But I think those two paired together might do pretty well. It really just depends on how the team utilizes them. 
Speaking of utilization in the backfield, Raheem Mostert is also on Annex Lads team, and I think San Francisco is doing the best job impersonating the New England Patriots, and by that I mean you don't know what their plan is at running back going into any given week in advance. Now, there are teams that actually try to imitate the New England Patriots, the Tennessee Titans, the Miami Dolphins, uh, even the, the Texans to a certain degree. But man, Kyle Shanahan just knows how to use a backfield. And if you pick the right one, you've got the right stuff. Annex Ladd also has Dak Prescott and T.Y. Hilton. T.Y. Hilton, we all know and love for doing well, even with uh, a replacement of Andrew Luck. Obviously doing well with Andrew Luck, proving that he's a wide receiver of, of great renown. Well, now he's got another Hall of Fame caliber, good, accurate quarterback, and we're going to see if he continues his dominating ways. Michael Gallup, which is going to complete the Dallas stack. This team already has two team stacks with Kansas City and now Dallas. And that's not a bad stack to have, the Dak Prescott-Michael Gallup stack. And we're going to see how the Amari Cooper quasi-injury plays out. And that might either elevate Michael Gallup to a greater role than he already was anticipating of having, or that's going to elevate him into the main coverage. We'll see how that goes. The Minnesota defense is also on this team, along with Jake Elliott, uh, Matt Breida. So he's already, man, Matt, if Matt Breida was still on the San Francisco, it's going to, it's kind of like having Mostert and Breida look at each other like, what are we doing on the same team again? But Sterling Shepard's also on this team. So is Baker Mayfield, Adrian Peterson, Irv Smith Jr., the tight end from the Minneapolis, uh, I was going to say Minneapolis Colts. Wow, that's wrong on so many levels. I might as well have said the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, but that's the Minnesota Vikings tight end, Irv Smith Jr., and the Tampa Bay defense. Moving on to Big J, 49er. Picked up Devontae Adams in the first round and Josh Jacobs in the second with the 17th pick. That is a tremendous value. I personally view Josh Jacobs very high and actually when I can pick him up earlier than I'm supposed to just because I want to have him. I picked him up last year on faith and he paid off. Uh, Last year I also did predict to many people that Christian McCaffrey would be the best runner and Michael Thomas would be the best wide receiver. Of course, you know, when you make those kind of statements, if you don't put down the money, you don't get nothing in return and you don't get to hold any glory. Don't quote me on that, even though it sounds confident. Uh, But Big J also has Jonathan Taylor, Terry McLaurin, Kareem Hunt, Deshaun Watson. I mean, I kind of want to feel bad for the kid. But fantasy-wise, without DeAndre Hopkins, it actually is going to improve his chance to run more often. His wide receiver core is talented. It has speed for sure, especially with Will Fuller there. But in order for that whole conglomeration to succeed, they're all going to have to do something. They're going to have to have an individual job against the defense. And they're going to have to work together 
And Deshaun Watson can really put all those things together and run when he has to, when everything breaks down, or when the other defense just bites on everything. Uh, Hayden Hurst, Justin Tucker, the Philadelphia defense, Will Fuller, so there's that stack. Every team has a stack except for the second overall pick so far. Uh, Jared Goff, Christian Kirk, Dallas Goddard, Marlon Mack, and Brandon McManus round out Big J 49ers team. Uh, Christian Kirk has been one of the people that I look at and just don't know and just don't have enough faith enough to invest. Um, Will he end up with more catches, yards, and touchdowns than, for example, on his own team, uh, Fitzgerald this year? Who knows? Uh, Will Fitzgerald at some point start losing it? You know, last year, towards the end of the year, we saw a drop-off, but that just might have been due to fatigue and stress. And maybe now with DeAndre Hopkins, that same level of distress might not be there. So does that mean that we see a prolonged period of Larry? Or does that mean that his time has finally come and they're just kind of easing him in because he deserves it, because he earned it? We shall see. One of the newer teams this year is, and I'm not kidding, K-W-Y-J-I-B-O. Quijibo. Sounds like the sound that a slice makes when you're playing Fruit Ninja. Quijibo. Speaking of one cut, his first pick was Dalvin Cook. Second pick was Austin Eckler. Then going into Mike Evans, Mark Andrews, Russell Wilson, Robert Woods, Jordan Howard, the Buffalo defense. So the first uh, first eight picks for Quijibo are very solid in this league because it's not a PPR league. Uh, Austin Eckler is going to have to rely on his work, and that's just fine. The problem is he's partly responsible for his own actions, but then so is Tyrod Taylor or perhaps Justin Herbert at some point maybe taking over. So it's hard to foresee Austin Eckler being the same Austin Eckler that we've been seeing. Same thing with Mike Evans. It's not that he has changed. It's that the circumstances around him have changed, and we're going to see whether that negatively or positively impacts his play. I think that Mike Evans is actually going to be the new Rob Gronkowski, the, the big guy who can run, jump, overpower, out-talent. That could be... And we've seen what that is to Tom Brady in the past. Um, this team doesn't know what a quarter, accurate quarterback looks like. That's right. I said it. He might as well be Jameis Luston. I personally don't believe that a quarterback with 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions is a good quarterback by any stretch of the imagination. And I don't believe that that should garner more fantasy points because of the yardage. That's why in this league, defense matters. The points for defense and bonuses are, are heightened compared to the Yahoo League average. But also the penalty for turnovers is harsher. You know, it's not just who's going to, when he gets the ball, run the most. It also matters that you have to pick the person who's actually going to be getting the ball and not losing it more often than not. So... I take that into consideration, and I adjust the points every year to tweak it to reflect that, and we're going to see how that works in the NFL this year. 
After the Buffalo defense, he's got Matt Gay as his kicker, Zach Moss, which is an interesting pick, uh, just more so because of how Devin Singletary is acting in front of him. Uh, Darius Slayton, the Giants wide receiver, Aaron Rodgers, Golden Tate, that's right, another Giants wide receiver, uh, Jack Doyle, and Jason Myers, the kicker for Seattle. So, it's we've seen the quarterback tight end stack, we've seen the running back wide receiver stack, but now, the wide receiver wide receiver stack. Awesome. Yeah. Moving on to Puckhead, P-U-C-K-H-E-A-D. This guy, he, obviously, if you remember me talking about his performance last year, this is a player that you know he's making the decisions that will serve him well in fantasy football. As evident by outpacing everyone by a percentage to himself his piece of the pie was enough to make other people go wait a minute my piece shouldn't be this small that's how much damage puckhead had done so let's see what his team looks like this year and if it has the potential to make that same impact he's starting off with joe mixon Kenyon drake and dj moore guess what i have a team similar to this where i was a i believe seventh pick in a 10 team league i'll obviously i'll be going over that in a later podcast but those three players it's not about adp it's about actual performance and joe mixon and Kenyon drake we don't know not whether or not they're going to be good but how great to what degree to what extent that greatness will look like same thing with DJ Moore, and that's more because he's the number one wide receiver on a on a team. You know, you, that sort of value is irreplaceable. Uh, now, not all teams are created equal, and that's why the next pick, Juju Smith Schuster, people like me stay away from him because he's the de facto number one wide receiver. But that's looking at a depth chart. We don't know. We've seen him be great. We've seen him have the potential. But then you might also want to think, man, Big Ben's winding down. We've got some rookies that need some playing time and the, the opportunity to flash to see what they're going to do. And how often are you going to gamble your team on a number one wide receiver who is inconsistent about it? You know, having Antonio Brown, that's not a de facto number one wide receiver. That is a, okay. We've got two wide receiver ones. That's how good he is. Juju Smith-Schuster is not at that level, unfortunately, which is a shame because the Steelers have given us tremendous football in the years leading up to this one. I'm not including last year. And we'll see if they pick up where they left off, they learn from their mistakes or not. Uh, Tyler Higby is the next player on Puckhead's team. Keenan Allen... Goodness gracious, this guy's team is so much like mine in another league. I've got to give him props for that. I really do. And you'll see that in the later episode when I go over my other teams. Uh, Matthew Stafford's also on this team. He always has the mentality 
he's basically like a Jameis Winston, but the negative attributes are dampened. So he still has all of that gunslinger mentality that I'm going to throw it. I've got people that I can throw it to. The, I will find the next Megatron and we will do this together mentality. I mean, he played with a broken back. You got to give a man the credit where credit is due. And I'm giving that man his credit. So this might be his year. He's, he had some time to heal. Uh, he has, a, a, I think, a little bit more of an appreciation shine due to some blau that we saw last year. Some blau. Uh, that was more a blot on the Detroit Lion resume as opposed to his. He probably just sat back and go, you guys need me. When I get back, I'm going to show you why. And we'll see that. He's got the Chicago defense, interdivisional there. I like that. Uh, Dan Bailey is one of his kickers. J.K. Dobbins, Baltimore running back. He's got Joe Burrow. I was going to wonder who ended up with Joe Burrow and when. This is the 130th pick, the 11th round. Uh, he's also got Brandon Cooks, McCole Hardman, Ian Thomas, Carolina tight end, and the Green Bay defense. McCole Hardman in this league has a little bit of an extra wonder to him because he returns uh, kicks, which I believe if you are providing value to the ability to score on the team, you should provide value to the score of your fantasy football team. So those things count. They add up. And we'll see if this 13th round pick might just end up outshining a lot of the rest. Uh, same team. By that, I mean Kansas City. But we're moving on to the next team, which is TB15204, or T-Bone, if you want to combine the B and the 1 or whatever. Uh, but he started off with Tyreek Hill, George Kittle, A.J. Brown, Todd Gurley. And I stopped there for a moment because you have to take a look at Tyreek Hill and A.J. Brown. Tyreek Hill could be the number one receiver on the year, which is why I picked him as my number one wide receiver when I had the opportunity in one of my $100 leagues. George Kittle, at one point for like a little while, held the record for tight end receiving yardage last year. So we know the potential there is immense, and that's with or without the other pieces falling or rising around him. A.J. Brown, we saw last year... The dominance that the Titans have always been on paper emerge. So will that continue now that he's got confidence, now that he's got a bit of a rap sheet that shows that he's got the swagger for a reason? And then you've got Todd Gurley. We, like David Johnson, we remember Todd Gurley from a few years ago in the discussion as the best running back and arguably a good wide receiver. That skill set is hard to find and that not only makes you valuable in the NFL, it makes you valuable in fantasy football. With that, we're looking at it through a lens of time. And in that time, there have been injuries. His knee has been an issue. And now the new lens of time is, did time heal that injury? Has time given him the wisdom to adjust to a new offensive playbook? We shall see. So that's an interesting first running back off the board for a team in the fourth round. But when you go wide receiver, or we'll just call him pass catcher. When you go pass catcher, pass catcher, pass catcher, your first running back comes at that sacrifice value. We'll see if it pays off for him. 
Um, he then picked up Cortland Sutton and Ronald Jones. Now, Ronald Jones, obviously, this draft was before the Leonard Fournette acquisition. So while at the time that might have been like, hey, I got Ronald Jones in the six. Now it's like, yay, I got Ronald Jones. That's right. Said like you're coming down with a cold because maybe I am. I don't know. Big Ben Roethlisberger in the seventh round. And then his own defense in the round following. So he's got the Pittsburgh defense and Ben Roethlisberger. And like I said before, having a quarterback defense stack is interesting. I think it's a little less predictable than a running back defense stack because if the defense does well, the running back is promoted more towards the end. And it's not that you get the most value. It's that you get the maximized value in that situation. Well, if you have the defense and the quarterback, it's very rare that you have a team that when the defense is doing well and the quarterback is doing well, that they're going to keep utilizing both. As we saw with the Chiefs-Texas game, uh, Texans game just recently, they got into a softer coverage when they were up and knew they were going to win. And that's usually the situation, but that comes at a cost of fantasy value in your defense. So you really have to try to predict the game, whether it's going to be close, whether it's going to be a runaway. And if you're going to start them both, there is that inherent risk. Kaimi Fahin, the Houston kicker, he's on this team as well. Uh, so it's Tyler Boyd, John Brown, the Buffalo wide receiver, Tevin Coleman, who's still there, <coughs> Noah Fant, Kirk Cousins, and the Cleveland defense. Kirk Cousins, man, if money and contract equated to fantasy football points, just imagine. He was the best at one time. Well, so was Matthew Stafford, I suppose. The last team that we're going to go over is Stimulator. And Stimulator, uh, ladies and gentlemen, was last year's second place winner. He was, in 2018, the league champion. And he was also the bronze place in 2017. So as the years have progressed, he has become no stranger to beating the absolute living daylights out of people. Whether it be, a win is a win. So whether it's one point or a million, it doesn't matter. He gets himself to the playoffs. And this is what's going to take him there this year. Julio Jones, pick number one. And then Nick Chubb at the turn. Odell Beckham and Mark Ingram the second, the Baltimore running back. Now that's, these are interesting pairs. You know, Nick Chubb and Mark Ingram provide a complement to one another and they also provide a floor a baseline but we don't know how long that's going to last in a few weeks we might see a change of the guard in both of those positions simply because they have uh, other players there for example they got the rookie running back for baltimore that should eventually see time as they try to phase ingram out that is the consensus among the experts i kind of side with a few of them that say hey if we know he's leaving, and we know this is his last year, and we know we don't have to give him any more money, run him to the ground. I mean, if you're very cold and calculated, or in most cases, if you're looking to make the most out of your buck, what are coaches going to do? We'll see with Mark Ingram. 
Uh, DJ Metcalf is also on this team, as well as Kyler Murray, a very good choice in the sixth round. Mike Gesicki in the Baltimore defense whew, in the eighth. Whew, and it was not the first, second, or third defense picked, I tell you. Uh, Michael Badgley, the Los Angeles Charger kicker. Uh, Stephon Diggs. Antonio Gibson in the 11th. At, at this point, we know that that value is tremendous, only because Antonio uh, Peterson is gone and Antonio Gibson is great. Uh, Philip Lindsay is also on this team, as well as John U. Smith. That's, that's just my real life. You know, I'm, I'm a Titans fan. I'm, I'm a fan of many teams as a military brat, and I moved around. So there's a lot of teams that I like simply because I lived in that area. So I'm a fan of the uh, Texans. I am currently a fan of the Falcons. I am a fan of the Titans. I'm a fan of the Patriots before they had Brady, so nobody can call me a bandwagon jumper, whatever. Uh, now, I also did live in Wisconsin. And sorry to tell you, folks, if you don't remember that episode from last uh, season of the podcast, not a fan. Not a fan. Gardner Minshew is also on this team, as well as Mason Crosby. And that rounds out the roster for these 12 teams. So what we're going to do now is take a look at the matchups for this week one and kind of look back on the Chiefs-Texans game and see their impact on the scores. And I just always have played the pick'ems. It's always fun for me. And being the only person who plays them means you kind of automatically win, which is fine by me. I'm here to win. I'm not here to debate how I'm going to win. I'm going to play the game and win accordingly. Um, so far, we have a tight game between Mary's Marauders and Annex Lad. Mary's got 36. Annex got 35. Uh, however, Mary's projected to get 107. You know, the live projections. And Annex Lad is looking at 135 as his uh, final score. This is because, as we said, Mary's got Patrick Mahomes, who was projected to get 37 points, a ridiculous amount in this league but ended up getting 30. Still a ridiculous amount. That's three passing touchdowns, 211 yards, but he did take a sack. On the other side in this game, Annex had Clyde Edwards-Alaire, anticipated to get 15 points, 24 points, 24.58, 138 rushing yards. Uh, there's an 85 rushing yard and 125 rushing yard plateau that you pass that you get a bonus he's got both of those bonuses and he did have that rushing touchdown getting a total of 24.58 points travis kelsey was also there also scored on his lone 50 yard reception nice very very nice um and not lone reception but 50 receiving yards one receiving touchdown uh so that was right around where yahoo projected the points to go um they projected 11. He got 10 and a half. You, you, can't, you can't walk away not proud with that. Um, now, Butker did get seven points for Mary. So at, at this time, it's 36-35. Mary still has in play one empty spot that she can obviously fill with any, uh, looks like a wide receiver because she has a running back in her flex right now. Uh, but she's got Michael Thomas slated to start. She does have uh, C.D. Lamb, uh, Mike Williams as wide receivers on her bench. 
he has Devin Singletary and Fournette starting. One anticipated to get 10 points, one anticipated to get seven. Uh, she's got Gronkowski as her tight end that she can flex out to Hawkinson if she so desires. Uh, and in her flex right now is Sony Michelle, but she also has Tevin Coleman on the bench. Her current defense is a San Francisco defense, and normally that's a great play, but they are going up against Arizona. High-flying offense at this time. They're very fast with their plays. And we're all anticipating them to just score tremendously because they were doing that without DeAndre Hopkins, and now they have DeAndre Hopkins. On the other side, Annex Ladd is projected to get 30 more points because he's going to be starting Dak Prescott. He has T.Y. Hilton, Michael Gallup, so that uh, Dallas stack right there. He still has uh, Melvin Gordon to play, and in his flex right now, he's got Mostert. Now, Mostert is in line to receive the bulk of the work. But if he so chooses, he could flex out to Burita, Sterling Shepard, Adrian Peterson, or if you wanted to put a tight end in there, Irving Smith Jr., Irv Smith Jr. Uh, like I said, he currently already had played Kelsey. Uh, but he's got Jake Elliott and the Minnesota defense left to go. In this situation, it really depends on who Mary puts in her empty wide receiver slot. And whether or not Annex is going to stay with Raheem Mostert, and that turns out to be the right play. Uh, Sterling Shepard is looking mighty nice as the possible wide receiver one for the New York Giants. We'll see how that plays out, but the Pittsburgh defense is pretty brutal, and it looks like there might be some weather concerns as well. Rain with a high of 77 degrees. So as it stands right now, my vote would go to Annex Ladd. And that is matchup one. The next matchup is between the radio station KWYJIBO and CFL Johnny, a.k.a. Javier. Javier is anticipated to get 120 points. And Gator, the radio station, is supposed to get 136. None of their players have played yet, or none of their starters have played yet. Uh, And... It's really unfortunate for Gator because he does have Sammy Watkins on his bench. We all remember what Sammy Watkins did last year. And he followed that up this year with 82 receptions and a touchdown and three rushing yards. Total of 13 points, doubling his projection. Um, That was the only player on any of the benches that already played. But starting off with Gator, he's got Russell Wilson, Robert Woods, Darius Slayton, Dalvin Cook, Austin Eckler, we talked about that before. That's going to be a pretty good uh, one-two combo. That's a running back one and two that anybody would like to have. Uh, in fact, many people would even say that Austin Eckler, even in a non-PPR league, deserves to be a wide receiver, uh, running back one. Now, Mark Andrews is his tight end, and they're going up against Cleveland. Cleveland's had some up and down issues with guarding the tight end, and without a offseason to work on that, this will be fun. He does have Zach Moss in his flex. A lot of people are starting Zach Moss over a lot of other uh, options. But on his bench, he's got Mike Evans. He's got uh, Alexander Madison. And like I said, he had Sammy Watkins. And I'm, it's going to be tough if Zach Moss gets his projected 10 points. But Sammy Watkins doubled his projection and got 14. Uh, the Buffalo defense should do well against the Jets. In every opportunity I have, the Buffalo defense is one of my weapons. 
this week because of what I heard about the Jets having six uh, offensive outings in camp and getting no points, including some turnovers. Buffalo is anticipated to get 33 points from the defensive position. That's most likely where a lot of the damage is going to happen. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, CFL Johnny on the other side has Carson Wentz, which we all know Carson Wentz is good. And that's regardless of the players. However, the difference is when you have other good quarterbacks with good players that are healthy and playing. You know, it's one thing for Tom Brady to have the hodgepodge that he had in, in New England and still do well. But now he's got Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. And it's like, oh, man, there's a difference. Well, whoever's starting for the wide receiver core for Philadelphia, we, we aren't even sure. Like, there's question marks around everybody. And that's going to impact Carson Wentz's uh, fantasy performance. He is still anticipated to get 25 points as opposed to Russell Wilson's 30. Um, And they are playing the Washington defense, so that kind of helps out a little bit. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is the wide receiver one for CFL Johnny, and Devontae Parker is wide receiver two. That New England defense, if it starts off with that same historic pace as last year, that might mean Parker's a mistake. But... You never know. New England's a whole different team now, just with the, not only with losing Tom Brady, but also a lot of players opting out on the defensive side. We'll see how that goes. Ezekiel Elliott, obviously always a threat to be the number one running back of the week. Um, And Tariq Cohen is going to be his compliment here. And this is a smart play considering what might happen to Montgomery. Whether he plays doesn't mean he's going to play well, and if he doesn't play well, that might mean he stops playing. Now, we do have the stack here of Zach Ertz and uh, Wentz. So Ertz and Wentz. Well, hopefully that doesn't mean that the whole team ends with Zs. Uh, And then we have Deontay Johnson. It's hard to tell sometimes when it just says D. Johnson. It's like Duke, David, Deontay. Well, this time it's Deontay, I'm pretty sure. It's the Pittsburgh wide receiver going up against the New York Giants, anticipate to get 10 points, and a lot of people are keeping their eyes on this kid. Uh, Will Lutz. Now, normally a kicker's like whatever, but the play is the Saints versus the Bucks. This is going to be, I'm expecting this to be a high-scoring affair. If you remember a few years ago where the Giants played the Saints in the Superdome, in the, yeah, in, the, in the Dome, and they each scored seven touchdowns. I remember that game. And all it takes is the right circumstances, and you can see that happening. Uh, he's also got the Tennessee defense, which if he wants to, he can switch out with the uh, Los Angeles Rams defense against Dallas. I wouldn't do that personally. I would keep the D- Tennessee defense in there against Denver with their mostly young core and also the defense missing a few pieces should keep the game tilted in Tennessee's favor. Uh, if desired, Kenny Galladay could be slotted into the flex position here. Cam Akers, if we believe that Akers is getting that role early. Uh, Jamison Crowder. Cam Newton, Marquise Hollywood Brown, currently on the bench. So we have a lot of 
versatility with CFL Johnny. And if he's not scared by his projections, where like I said, he's projected to get 15 points less than Gator. If he's not scared by those projections, he can go in with whatever he wants. The configurations on this team are endless. It's a fantastic team. Uh, And as it stands right now, I mean, DeAndre Hopkins, if Ertz scores a touchdown, Carson Wentz gets that credit as well. You've got Ezekiel Elliott. If Deontay Johnson is the right pick and Tennessee just smothers Denver, then it doesn't matter if you pick the best players on your team, Gator. CFL Johnny can win. So despite the underdog projection... I'm voting for Johnny on this one. Uh, next up, we already have a couple players that have played for Championship Bound and Big J, uh, Sean and Mark, respectively. Uh, Championship Bound got 15 points out of the Kansas City defense. It was projected to score 30, so he only got half. But four sacks, 48 return yards, and they allowed under 400 yards. And that's how he got to the 1540. On the Big J side... Deshaun Watson was his quarterback, 253 yards, a rushing touchdown, but unfortunately he did take four sacks. Uh, so he was projected to get 28. He got 23. I mean, if you if projections are pers- persuading you to make certain decisions, you can't be too mad at that. You're just a few points off. He did pass the 175-yard passing yard bonus as well as the 100, which is kind of free for a quarterback. Um, but he did have the passing touchdown, the rushing touchdown with the 27-yard rush, uh, four sacks, and he did also take a pick. So he did lose nine points with those turnovers there. Uh, on the bench, uh, Will Fuller was on the bench and was only projected to get nine and three-quarter points, ended up getting 11 and three-quarter points. So was it the most detrimental, quote-unquote, mistake to make? Probably not. Now, he does have Christian Kirk, Dallas Goddard, and Kareem Hunt on his bench. And, you know, Big J might be looking at making a change, but, I mean, he's got Devontae Adams and Terry McLaurin right now. I think you're set there. You've got Josh Jacobs and Jonathan Taylor. You might be set there. Uh, And Hayden Hurst is your starting tight end. You might be set there. Uh, Marlon Mack is on his flex right now. So, basically, in this case, it doesn't matter what Indianapolis wants to do in their backfield. But at the same time, it also says if you only have 60 offensive plays, you're limiting yourself because nobody's going to get the majority. They're both taking, they're both considered one getting a majority there. So that might be the only change you want to make. Right now, uh, he was originally projected at 130, but it looks like he's going to be getting 125 now. That it's Mark. Uh, championship bound Sean is currently at 15 was projected to get 132 but because of the underperformance from the defense it looks like he's projected to get 120 now so he's still projected to be under by five points all things considered now Ryan Matt Ryan is his quarterback going up against Seattle uh, at home which is a big deal for Matt Ryan especially in a dome and that's going to be a anticipated 27 points. Amari Cooper and DJ Chark. DJ Chark is probably going to have to play lights out because the defense is completely extinguished and they're just going to have to fight back against Indianapolis. And that might be the key, whether that be garbage time or whether that be force feeding, that blows this 
projected points out the water. He could have, uh, it might not be over 100 yards, but it could be nine catches. It's not a PPR league, but those opportunities, each individual one can be a touchdown or two or three. You heard it here first, folks. Maybe three. Fantasy football is so much fun when you distance it from actual football. Uh, You've also got Alvin Kamara and Aaron Jones and Hunter Henry. Those are three great starts. And Chris Carson in your flex. This is the first time I'm seeing a starting running back in a flex role. And that's what I'm talking about for week one. You want to get people with known roles. Uh, And Matt Prater is your kicker up against Chicago. So either they're going to be allowing touchdowns or they're going to be stopping him short within field goal range. And Matt Prater, we all know, can make those kicks. I believe he at one point had the record with a 61-yard kick, if I'm not mistaken, um, uh, back when he was on the Broncos. Uh, But if he so desires, championship bound can put in A.J. Green, uh, Anthony Miller, uh, Chris Thompson, which with... Leonard Fournette gone. That might be the guy in Jacksonville. Uh, the Seattle defense, which, no, he can't put in that because he already played Kansas City. Which, oof. Kansas City against Houston and Seattle and against Atlanta, those are actually two very comparable situations. So I, don't, I wouldn't have leaned one way or another. So you kind of just have to take and hope. Um, but James White, Anthony Miller, A.J. Green, those might be plays that you want to start. This whole team is pretty much stacked. That being said, uh, as long as as long as Big J is holding on to both Jonathan Taylor and Marlon Mack as starters on his team, I think that's going to limit him too much to overcome Sean if any of his players actually go off. So, Sean, prove me right, man, and let's see how it goes. Uh, we now take a look over at Puckhead versus McCaffeinated Teddies. I keep having to pause right before I say that to make sure I say Teddies because I kind of want to keep this program as child-friendly as possible, as often as possible. Uh, it doesn't help thinking of all the things I can rhyme with Puckhead. Anyway, Puckhead got 1.45 points from Nicole Hardman with 20 return yards and 6 Reception yards. Ouch. He was supposed to get him 10. Got him 1. Ouch. On the other side, David Johnson was supposed to get 11. He said, nah. Nah. For Jerry? Nah. For Jerry, I'm getting 17.46. So he's already beating his projection, which was at 116, and is now currently a live projection at 122. Meanwhile, Puckhead was anticipated to get 114 and that went even lower to 105 can matthew stafford make a comeback can dj moore absolutely explode yes i think to the both of those can juju smith schuster reestablish himself as a fantasy elite player moving on joe mixon and Kenyon drake that is a crazy punch combo now, on the other side, he does have, like I said, he, he started David Johnson. Smart play. He's got Saquon Barkley. Don't bench him, obviously. Uh, but Puckhead's running back team right here is solid. Joe Mixon, Kenyon Drake. And he did already fill the flex spot with McCall Hardman, which I, I always try to do a warning 
before the Thursday night game. Take your Thursday night players out of your flex. Otherwise, you might as well just call it stagnant. It's meant to be flexible. Uh, and it doesn't really matter because he doesn't have any running backs on his bench anyway. It's Keenan Allen uh, and Ian Thomas. Or Irv Thomas, I don't know, the Carolina tight end. Oh, no, he does have J.K. Dobbins. He does have J.K. Dobbins on there, but we don't think that he's going to have a starting role early as long as Mark Ingram is still there. Um, so, yeah, you're starting Mixon, you're starting Drake. They're going to be great. You've got Tyler Higby, and of your options, that's the best one, and it's a really good one. So, really, it comes down to whether or not Keenan Allen is going to replace D.J. Moore or Smith-Schuster on this roster. Uh, like I said, Matthew Stafford, DJ Moore, they have the potential to do some damage. And if Jay, if Smith Schuster proves me wrong, cool. It's fantasy football. When the, even when I lose, I win. I love this game. Uh, but between the defenses, he does have Green Bay. Jerry has Denver, which would have been a great pick at the draft. But knowing what we know now, a little bit of that luster is gone. He also has Le'Veon Bell, which is anticipated to get 10 points. Maybe he does it. But, you know, you have Joe Mixon. He's, he is anticipated to get 15 points. He might double that. So there's that difference. So despite having Saquon Barkley and uh, Adam Thielen, I think if Puck makes the right choice and changes out Smith-Schuster for Keenan Allen, even though he's projected to get less... I don't know. Uh, somehow Puck seems to pull out these games and does so in a fashion where we feel like he knows something we don't. Um, I think the other big difference is with Jerry's team. He's got Josh Allen, my, a personal favorite of mine. Um, Robinson the second, Thielen, Jared Cook. If this is a high-flying affair like I think it will, somebody's got to be the beneficiary of that, and Jared Cook might as well be. But it's really Le'Veon Bell and the Denver defense that I think is going to hamper Jerry from a victory despite being projected to win. So currently, Puckhead, if you make the right choices with uh, with Keenan Allen, then we'll see where it goes. Good thing is he did bench uh, Brandon Cooks, who was only going to be getting eight points anyway until he only got 1.82. Two final matches, and then I'm going to bed because it's 3 o'clock in the morning. We've got Kevin facing Calhoun, a.k.a. Stimulator, a.k.a. Gary. So Kevin's team, as I, oh my goodness, as I mentioned before, oh, it hurts my my heart because it, it's, it's like a jump scare every time I see it. He is projected to lose by three points because Miles Sanders is out. It's as if his running back position is empty and he still can win. That's how bad the combination of Lamar Jackson, uh, Cooper Cup, Marquise Brown, Derek Henry, Jarvis Landry, Evan uh, Ingram. That's incredible. Uh, he does have the Indianapolis defense, which they're playing Jacksonville. And you're thinking Jacksonville is not going to be the best team. They're the odds-on favorite for the first overall pick of the next year's draft, according to Las Vegas. But that's the defense, mostly the defense's fault with all the departures. 
the offense might have to overcompensate, and there might be garbage time, there might be uh, rallies. I mean, we don't know. Maybe they have something in mind, or at least they want to try something to see if it works, and maybe it does. So in that vein, this game could be one or the other. It could be the Indianapolis defense being shown up. You know, I think Malik Hooker is at 100%, which is going to make a huge difference. It's like whether or not you have Marshawn Lattimore on the Saints. You know, one player can make that cohesion solid. So the Indianapolis defense itself is going to be great, but what if they have to face an onslaught? Minimizing an onslaught is different in NFL real-life terms than it is on fantasy terms. Um, that team, every time I look at that team, I fear no man, but that team. Oh. Uh, but let's take a look at his competition. Stimulator has Gardner Minshew, which the better he does, the more it impacts the Indianapolis defense. So the better he does, it kind of works double in his favor. He's got Julio Jones, perennial yard monster. Stephon Diggs. Woo. I'm excited for Stephon Diggs this year. Uh, Nick Chubb, Mark Ingram, Jonu Smith, DJ Metcalf, Young Hoku, and the Baltimore defense against Cleveland. If we are all, if we've all been hoodwinked again, and the Cleveland team on paper is nothing like it should be, then that Baltimore defense, which has been incredible, and it, it, all it has to do is remain the same, that right there might win the week. I mean, and you ask the thing, you have what could be the best defense on the week. You have Julio Jones, which is going to get you those points. You have Stephon Diggs, which if he explodes now, because he's going to explode at some point, there's no reason he can't do it against the New York Jets, then if he explodes now, and Julio Jones explodes, and the Baltimore defense explodes, and Jonu Smith gets a touchdown because, you know, it's tight ends, and Mark Ingram falls forward for a touchdown, and Nick Chubb, despite the Baltimore defense holding him down, managed to have a decent fantasy finish. That's a lot of points. But you look at the other side, Lamar Jackson, Marquise Brown, Derrick Henry, Evan Ingram, Landry, and uh, Zane Gonzalez. I mean, for some reason, Arizona does really well when playing San Francisco. I mean, it, So, here's what I'm going to propose. Right now, I'm going to give Stimulator the odds. Because, like I said, you have a very high probability with Julio Jones, the Baltimore defense, Stephon Diggs. You have a high probability of those going off. Right now, Odell Beckham is on his bench. Kyler Murray is on his bench. And Antonio Gibson, who we now know is going to pave the way for that team, is currently on the bench. And they're all projected low points, but it's not about projections. But if he switches out Gardner Minshew... For Kyler Murray, and things go the right way, Calhoun has this in the bag. But if Kevin finds a way to get a starting running back, look, I don't know, DeAndre Swift, who's on his bench, um, or he finds a way to make a drop or a trade before the beginning of the game and just get someone in there, that's going to make the difference. Because right now, the teams are even. But 
Fight on Dreamweaver has one hand tied behind his back. So I'm not going to make a decision on this one because I think that Kevin is going to realize this, try to make some change or some move, or even just putting DeAndre Swift in there might just be enough to make that difference. And we'll see when we do the recap in a couple days. Uh, the last game that we're going over is the new D-Town Titans and T-Bone 5204 Tyler Soya. So we got Tyler Soya and the D-Town Titans. Right now, none of the D-Town Titans have scored. None of them have played. But T-Bone did have Tyreek Hill, who anticipated to get 13 points, got 10. Solid. Solid, solid, solid. It's an every week solid play with that guy. Uh, and currently, no one on the benches either have have played. So they're all available. Now, Kyle Farbarn, Kai Farbarn did get two points as opposed to six. So that is why T-Bone currently stands at 12 points with two positions played. The remaining positions, he has Ben Roethlisberger that he could switch out for Kirk Cousins. Um, you know, Ben's anticipated to get about 30. Kirk Cousins is about to get 25. So those are the projections. Um, he has A.J. Brown uh, currently starting, anticipated to get 10 points as well. Another solid pointage there. But he's got Tyler Boyd he could switch out. John Brown he could switch out. Uh, and he's also got uh, the running back from Jacksonville that he could flex in and move things around. They're not anticipated to get 10 points, but again, Projections mean nothing when the actual fantasy output garners you a victory. Uh, he's got Todd Gurley uh, and Carrion Johnson as his starting running backs right now, uh, Tyler does. he, Like I said, he could switch out for Robinson, the running back from Jacksonville. They might just be scrambling to make something up or fake it till they make it, so you never know what kind of role he might have. But his flex right now is currently held down by Cortland Sutton. And we uh, we do know that he is questionable at this time for his game against Tennessee. Um, uh, I think it's a shoulder injury. Yes, this is a shoulder injury. It will be a game-time decision. So all of your hopes go out the drain if your flex is a zero. And everybody else is just doing okay, whereas opposed to the D-Town Titans, who had the first overall pick, has Drew Brees going, like I said, that matchup might be the highest scoring game of the week, maybe of the first half of the year. Um, he's got Godwin, Lockett, McCaffrey, James Conner. I guess he's there too. I, I would venture that there's a chance that uh, Waller gets more points than Conner. That's how much I don't like Connor's prospects, how much of a short leash he's probably on. And if he doesn't do the right things for Big Ben, they're going to say, we've seen enough. You've had the opportunity. It probably won't be game one. But they've got other, other players back there. They've got other people who are dying for an opportunity, and Big Ben's window is closing. So we'll see how, that, how far that leash will go. Now he's got Calvin Ridley. And he's in the flex, but I mean, at this point, it's, you're looking at three wide receivers. Lockett, Godwin, and Ridley. Wow. Well, and for that alone, I'm going to have to go with D-Town Titans. That first overall pick with McCaffrey, followed up by some solid drafting. It's going to be a tough matchup any, any given week. But like I said already, Tyreek Hill didn't meet projections. Firebarn didn't meet projections. Sutton might not play, and there's not really a good backup option after that. So... 
D-Town Titans has my pick. 319. I did this uh, podcast in a few different sections broken up. This section was 52 minutes and 45 seconds as of two seconds ago. I'm going to bed. Tomorrow is more football. So everybody, uh, hope that I get to church safely. They have coffee there. Once I get there, I'll be fine because of coffee. But for now, everybody get a good night's rest. I hope we get to enjoy football tomorrow. And it's not about fantasy football, what players are arguing for, or the game. All this stuff comes from having the game in the first place. So let's enjoy the game. And then from there, we can enjoy its fruits and spoils. Everybody pigskin on.